I say then, if God cast away His people, God forbid, for I am also an Israelite. I'm here to tell you this morning, look at verse number 2, God hath not cast away His people. We've got to get this from the onset of this message. The church is the church. The church is not Israel. It never was Israel. It isn't Israel now, and it's not going to be Israel. They're two separate and distinct entities, and that distinction has to be said over and over again so that we don't wrongly divide the word of truth. Look at verse number 5. Even so, then at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. We preached on this verse, so I'm not going to do a deep dive, but I'm going to say this. Nothing will happen to national Israel. It's 100% preserved and protected, that was a lot of Ps, by God. It is His remnant, it is His elect people, it is His people. There's nothing you or I or any government entity can do to stop God's plan for national Israel. It's going to outlast and it is going to outshine every single physical nation on this earth, and you can mark it down. Why? All because of God's election to that nation. Now, verse number six, it says, and if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Now, is Israel a spiritual nation or is it an earthly nation? Yeah. Answer, earthly. It is an, they are his earthly people. And God made a covenant with his earthly people to, be, to possess an earthly piece of land. And he is going to keep that covenant 100% by his grace. Yeah, but the nation made a golden calf. I understand that. Yeah, but the nation went after Ashtaroth. I understand that. Yeah, but the nation went after Molech, always associated with that pagan god with child sacrifice. I understand that. It's not of works. It's by God's elective grace. Yeah, but they, they rejected the Messiah. They went after Baal worship. All of that, I get it. It's wicked. It's wrong. But their election is not based on their works. Their election as a nation is based on God's grace. And nothing that they do will change God's covenant that he has with them. It's of grace. It's not of works. Verse 7. What then, the question is, Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, you can be sincerely seeking God's favor. And at the same time that you're sincerely seeking God's favor, you and I can be blind. Now that's national Israel. Sincerity is not what God is looking for. Well, I'm just sincere about this. I just sincerely feel it's going to be a problem if we go on our sincerity and not on what God's word says. Why? Because people can be sincerely wrong. 
Did you ever meet an insincere Jehovah's Witness? I haven't. They're about as sincere as you can be. You ever meet a bicycle boy? He rides up, he's got his white shirt and his elder tag, he's got his name on it. You ever meet one, Tom, that's insincere? Look, they sincerely believe what they believe. But they're blind. They're blind. It's not sincerity. It's God's truth that we have to, we have to go on. So the nation, in Romans 11, they're blind. That's the condition of them right now. Now, I ask you to turn to Acts 6. Let's go there now because Paul uses himself as an example uh, so beautifully in Acts chapter 26. Acts 26, verse number 9. Watch what he says. He says, I verily thought with myself, bad move, <laughs> that I ought, another bad move, to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Now, I'm pointing this out because the, the Jews as a nation thought they were sincerely right, but they were so dead wrong. Paul, he uses himself as an example. He said, look, I thought, I ought, but I was wrong. I did things that were contrary. I really thought they were right at the time but I was contrary to the name of Christ. And now, and now he's using himself as an example for Romans 11 so that we can get that idea concerning the nation. They're sincere nationalists, but they're sincerely wrong. Have you ever used the phrase, well, I meant well? <laughs> Have you ever had someone say to you, well, I, I, I meant well, as it ends not well? <laughs> Be careful, be careful of trusting in sincerity. Always filter your thoughts through the Word of God. That's what we try to do best we can. Now, go back to Romans. And let's see, we can get here. Go to Romans 10. <clears throat> Romans 10. Concerning the nation, watch what it says uh, in verse 2. Romans 10, 2. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. You can't deny that people were zealous. But it was not what? According to knowledge. That's the sincerity thing. That's the zealous thing. It's got to be according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish what? What? What's the text say? Their own what? Righteousness. Right. As a result, they have not submitted themselves unto what? Exactly right. Exactly right. It's not, hey, I'm zealous. It's got to be according to knowledge. You don't have to turn there, but 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. How do you keep yourself from falling? Humbly seek after the Lord. Humbly seek His face. Why do I have to do that? Look at Romans 9 at the very end. Look at verse 31. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, they were looking for righteousness, folks. They weren't looking for bad things. 
the nation of Israel was looking for righteousness. Follow after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, they were seeking it the wrong way. It's not that they didn't want it. They didn't know how to seek properly. But as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling block. It'd be nice to have a Messiah to fulfill their covenant, but leave the Messiah out. <laughs> It'd be nice to have an earthly kingdom. Uh, we don't really want a king, though, to be our ruler. You see, they wanted something, but they weren't seeking the right way. Go back to Romans 11 now. <clears throat> Romans 11. It's odd because in verse number 7, it, it says, What then hath not Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for? Think about this. They already have God's promises. They already have a covenant. Why in the world would you be seeking for something that you already have? Isn't that odd? Fellas, there's no reason to seek. You have it. They just don't want to believe. Now, how many of you are here this morning and you saved? Okay, amen, amen. How many of you, when you first got saved, you didn't realize that one day a trump was going to sound and you were going to fly through the air and you were going to get a glorified body? And when you found that out, you ran and told your spouse or your kids or your neighbor or your preacher or your Sunday school teacher and you said, wow, look here, we're going to get a glorified body. I never knew that. Wow, that's awesome. And the person you're telling that to may have been saved for two or three decades and is thinking to themselves, you didn't know that? Like, you already, you, you had that all along. You know what the point is? When you and I got saved, we, have, we had with that package so many benefits. It's not like when we discovered it, oh, wow, now all of a sudden we have it. No, you've, all, you've had it all along. All along you had it. What happened? You finally saw it. It was revealed to you. You don't have to go seeking for the Holy Spirit. You don't have to run up an aisle. I don't have to work you up. You don't have to come up the end at the altar and, and, and weep and cry and fall down backwards and laugh like a dog and, and be delivered from, by some man and all this stuff. And then finally you'll start jabbering and you'll receive the, the Holy Spirit. Folks, you have it. <laughs> it's been there all alone. You didn't have to go to a deliverance preacher. You had it all along. You were just seeking it wrongly. And that's what the nation, they have God's promised, promises that he, he gave them. They're just going all about it the wrong way and they're blind. So it says at the end of verse 7, but the election hath obtained it. It's the elect remnant obtained what the nation as a whole failed to obtain. And then it says, and the rest were blinded or under the judicial chastening of God. Now there's some contrasts in Romans 11 and this contrast here is, 
is the nation of Israel is separated into two. And when it's separated into two, you have on one side the election, verse 7, and then on the other side you have the rest, verse 7. You have the remnant, or the election rather, and then you have the rest. And Romans 11 presents these contrasts so that we can get an understanding of how the nation is split. Look at verse 28, and we'll see what else is split. Watch what the Bible says in Romans 11, verse 28. It says, As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. So in verse number 28, we also have a split and a distinction made between you have the election over here and then you have the gospel over here. There are two clearly made distinctions in Romans 11. Verse 7, we're talking about this morning, we have the election and the rest. When you get to verse number 28, we have the election and the gospel. Now Romans 11, Romans is written to who? The Romans, right? It's written to the Romans concerning who, though? Israel. That's who it's concerning. So when you look at verse number 28, look at this. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. Who is the they in verse 28? Look at the text and tell me who is the they. Israel. Israel. The they in verse 28 is Israel, right? And Israel, in verse number 28, is considered what? They are what? Enemies. You see that? Look at the text. They, it's Israel, and they are enemies for your sakes concerning what? The gospel. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The election and the gospel is separated in 28. The they is Israel. Israel is the elect, right? But they are set apart as enemies of what? The gospel. Okay. So in Romans 11, the election is not what? The gospel. The election in Romans 11 is specifically representing the nation of Israel. Romans 11 clearly makes the distinction that in the context of election now, it is speaking of the nation. It, has, it is at odds with the gospel. They are two separate things. Well, what's the benefit of that? To provoke them to jealousy. They are, that elect nation is enemies of the gospel that we preach. Why? What's the benefit of that? To provoke them to jealousy. That's the benefit. But they're separate things. Watch what it says in verse number 28 as well. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. Is that nation elect? Yes. For whose sake? The fathers. You know what that's about? 
the 100% distinction of Israel's national identity. God never promised that nation a spiritual home in heaven. What did God promise that nation? An earthly piece of land. They are his earthly people. And God promised them physical land on the earth. Which you know as well as I do, physical land on the earth is not what? It's not heaven. It's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. That's why they're enemies of the gospel. And that's why the election is separate from the gospel in Romans chapter 11. He came unto his own and his own received them not. When the gospel came to them, they what? Rejected it. When the Messiah came to them, they rejected him. The election of Israel in Romans 11 is clearly about their national identity. That's the election. National Israel. And based on that nation's election, God's going to fulfill what He promised to that nation. But what is true of national Israel has nothing to do with individual Jews who right now have to hear what? The gospel. They must be treated like a common sinner just like you and I. You have a national versus an individual. And we need to understand that individually a Jew right now is responsible to repent and believe the gospel just like I did, just like you did. So if you get tied up in Romans 11, draw out that national distinction that Paul makes. And go back to verse number 7. Let's look at what happened here at the end. Uh, let's get John 12 as well. Romans 11 and John 12. Romans 11 and John chapter 12. Romans 11 and John 12. The end of Romans 11, verse 7. But the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Look at this. You've got a remnant. We already talked about all of that before. We're not going to rehash that. But the rest were blinded. Look at John 12, verse 37. Let's read together. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. Folks, if you're not getting results by passing out tracts or talking to people one-on-one -on -one or whatever public evangelism you're doing, don't get discouraged. Jesus is right with them. He's performing miracles and they believe not on him that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed. Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, here's the verse, he hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart and be converted, 
and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. In verse number 29, you have hearers that couldn't do what? They couldn't hear. They couldn't hear to believe. They heard words. If you've been a parent or a grandparent long enough, you know it's in one ear out the other, you tell them. They heard, but not a hearing of obedience. It's in ear, one ear right out the other. They're hearing, but they are just not believing. That is what it means in Romans 11 when it says the rest were blinded. They can see, but they can't see. They can hear, but they can't hear. Go back to Romans 11. Romans 11, look at verse number 8. Romans 11 will help us out here. It says, according as it is written. Now, why is that important? Paul's talking about the nation in Romans 11, right? Okay. Well, according as it is written. They've had the Old Testament Scriptures. They know the Old Testament Scriptures. Young people, do your parents teach you the Scriptures? As it is written, they might say when you get older. <laughs> as you've heard, in other words. As you've been taught in Sunday school. As you've heard the preacher say, Sunday after Sunday. Well, Paul goes to the Jewish nation and he says, look, as it is written. In other words, fellows, this isn't new to you. You've had these scriptures. You should know this. But they don't know it. They don't know it. And so God, he, their scriptures clearly predicted it. But so God says this, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, Romans 11 verse 8, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. You know what unbelief does? It really, it makes you blind and deaf. Unbelief gives you blurry vision, and unbelief makes your hearing dull. Everybody put your hands over your ears like this for a second. I can preach to you and you can't hear, because it's all dull. Okay? Now bring up. Isn't that something? That's the nation. You hear stuff, but you can't hear nothing. It's dull of hearing. I want you to look at this verse. Oh, they turn around. No, turn around. I want you to look at the verse. Okay, they turn around. No, I want you to look at the verse. Take your hands off your eyes. No, I want you to look at the verse. Open your eyes. Okay. And they turn back around. They don't want to see it. They don't want to see it. And so they have a spirit of blindness. Physically, their eyes work and their ears work, but they just have a spirit in whom the God of this world will blind the minds of them. Believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. Now that verse in 2 Corinthians, it's true of everybody. But how much the more of the nation of Israel who had, as it is written, they had scriptures that predicted it. They didn't want to hear it. Did not want to hear it. Okay. Romans 11, like we've been going through, 9, 10, and 11, it's chock full of Old Testament references. And we are going to go back there. So go to Isaiah 
chapter 29, Isaiah 29, and we're going to see as it is written where it was written. Because this is Old Testament he's quoting to. Isaiah 29, look at verse number 10. Isaiah 29, verse number 10. The Bible says, For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep, and hath closed your eyes. According as it is written, they knew the prophet Isaiah. He prophesied this. The prophets and your rulers, the seers, hath he covered. Now, the Bible will define the Bible words. Without even going to a dictionary, you can understand what the seers are. The prophets and the rulers, comma, the seers hath he covered. You know what that means? The seers are the prophets. You know who the spiritual eyes of Israel were? The prophets. You know what God has stopped giving that nation? You know what that nation does not have now? The seers. They're blinded. The prophets were the spiritual eyes of that nation, and they're gone, and they're not coming back until when? God starts that time clock with Daniel's 70th week, and then prophets are going to show up again. But not until then. There will be no prophet. They were the, the, the spiritual eyes of Israel. And they cannot, Jewish, you couldn't have a Jewish leader come in now and teach a Sunday school class to a nine-year-old because they're blinded. They can't see it. They can't see it. Go to Isaiah chapter 9. You think this is, oh, well, I'm a Baptist. I know this my whole life. You may, but a Jew doesn't. They don't see Christ in one of the simplest passages in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 9, look at verse number 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Who's the son? Jesus Christ. He's the Messiah. Does anybody not know that? You little kids that are in Sunday school, do you know that Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 is talking about who? Messiah. Jesus, the Messiah. You're not going to get a Jew to agree to you with that. You know who they're going to say it is? King Hezekiah. How are they going to get King Hezekiah out of that? I'll tell you how they get it out of it. Look at verse number... Uh, we'll keep reading in that, in that same verse. It says, And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, and then it says, the mighty God. And you know what Hezekiah means? It means strengthened by God. So that couldn't be Jesus the Messiah. No, it's got to be King Hezekiah. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You know what Matthew 1.21 says? A virgin shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel. You know what Emmanuel well means? God with us. That ain't King Hezekiah, folks. You couldn't have a rabbi from Israel come over here and teach a kid's Sunday school class because they're absolutely blind. They can't see Christ in the Old Testament. Go to Isaiah 53. Isaiah chapter 53. Well, this is obvious. I mean, this is all about Jesus. Yeah, I know. You know that. But a Jew who's blinded doesn't. Isaiah 53 uh, look at verse number 11. Isaiah 53, 
verse number 11, he shall see the trail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Now, who's the righteous servant? That be Jesus, the Messiah, except the Jews don't believe that. Well, I'm just going to go to the Old Testament. I'm going to show them Isaiah 53. Okay, show them Isaiah 53. And when they bring you to verse 11, they're going to say, yeah, the righteous servant was the Jews. And then you're going to be at, you're going to be at a headbutton match here. You're going to be at a crossroads. Well, how in the world they get that? Go to Isaiah 41. They know their Old Testament. Probably better than we do. Except they can't see Christ. Isaiah 41, look at verse number 8. Well, how in the world can they get the Jews as the righteous servant out of Isaiah 53? It's easy. They wrongly divide and go to Isaiah 41. We'll look at verse 8. But thou, Israel, art my what? Servant. Whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. Thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called thee from the chief men thereof and said unto thee, Thou art my servant. I have chosen thee and not cast thee and not cast thee away. They say it's the Jews as the righteous servant that is suffering under the Gentiles. Now, I don't know how you can make that jump from Isaiah 53 but you have what Matthew, 14, uh, Matthew 15 rather says, let them alone, they be blind leaders of who? The blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Look at verse number 10. Let's clear up. The righteous servant. Key word in Isaiah 53. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my what? Righteousness. You've got a righteous servant, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have servants, but they are not the righteous servant. People learn their definite articles. They have their Bible down a lot better. Uh, you can't, they can't see Christ in Micah 5. They can't see Christ in Zechariah 12. It's easy for you. It's easy for you. If you were to go to Israel, you could find rabbis in Israel that will request Psalms 22 and, uh, and, uh, and Isaiah 53. They will request that those chapters be left out of the printing. Why do they do that? They don't want to confuse their people. You know what that means? Anybody that reads Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53 once a day for a week can't come out of that not knowing that Christ is the Messiah. That's why. They are nationally as blind as a bat can be. Go to Deuteronomy 29. Deuteronomy 29. Deuteronomy 29. I know that's a lot of Bible and turn into the pages, but we want to know what God says. I mean, I could tell you jokes for 30 minutes, but that'd get old pretty quick. Uh, this is serious stuff. It's the Word of God. Uh, Deuteronomy 29, look at verse 4. Uh, verse 2, rather. And Moses called unto all Israel and said unto them, Ye have seen 
all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt and the Pharaoh and into all his servants and into all his land. You and I won't come close to seeing what Moses and his people saw. I don't know about you, but if I saw a sea part and it was time to walk through, I'm probably going to go the other way. I'd be scared to death it close up on me. <laughs> Those people saw that and walked through. You would think that'd be enough if you survived that. Oh yeah, I'm trusting this God. They saw more than you and I would ever see. Man alive. Look at verse 3. The great temptations which thine eyes have seen, the signs and those great miracles. God was so good to those people. They saw signs and miracles like none other. But you know what they had? They had a heart of stone. They didn't love God like they thought they did. And so they ended up having eyes and ears and hearts that remained without understanding. You know what makes up a New Testament church, folks? Hearts that are knit together in what? Love. You know what God wanted that national people to do? Love Him. You don't hold a group of people together without love. It's about people and their hearts being knit together in love. And God wants that nation to love Him. I go to... Um, uh, go to. Uh, we didn't. Re did we read verse four in Deuteronomy twenty nine? I think I just talked about it. But yet the Lord hath not given you an heart. I made a comment without reading the verse first. Given you an heart to perceive, and eyes to see, and ears to hear, unto this day. So they had all the as it is written. They had it prophesied. Go back to Isaiah. This time, get chapter. Chapter 6, Isaiah 6. By this time, Israel is going deeper into apostasy. Isaiah is going to have a vision of the king. And Isaiah chapter number 6, um, it says... Let's start reading verse 1. The year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each, had, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. With twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, this is Isaiah, woe is me! He's filled with horror, Isaiah is, because of his own sinful condition and the sinful condition of that of his nation. Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, and he's filled with horror because he sees the king. Now you might think that's pretty cool 
And, I, and it is. But you'd probably be scared to death too. You'd probably be thinking the same thing and Isaiah's thinking, you get one look at the Lord, you will see just how vile and dirty you are. You will have more of an appreciation for your sin when you look the Lord in the face. We can cover it up based on the circumstances we can create down here. But God saved us. And there was nothing good or and no, no worth found in us at all. I don't care how much work you did for the United Way or the Salvation Army. You've got, you had no goodness at all within you. And Isaiah comes face to face with this. Look what he says in verse number 6. Then flew one of the seraphs unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched my thy lips and thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged you have seraphs that are pulling isaiah aside and they are purifying him to get him ready for his prophetic ministry to the nation of israel wow <laughs> How would you like that to happen? <laughs> we need some more Isaiahs. I'm telling you, young men, young ladies, look, you can be set aside for God's service. That's what happened to Isaiah. He was set aside. And he's not going to think, and he's not going to live, and he's not going to talk like everybody else. It's a special thing that happened. Look at verse number 8. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Well, Lord, quite honestly, I'm scared to death. Because <laughs> what you just showed me scared the daylights out of me. But no, you know what Isaiah says? Isaiah says, who, uh, Then said I, Here am I, send me. You ready to go? You ready to go? Isaiah was. Verse number 9. And he said, Go and tell this people. I said all that to get to this verse. Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Really, Lord? I just went through all of that you give me this vision, I'm scared. We have a seraph come and does all that with the live call. You ask me a question, I'm ready to go, and now you tell me my ministry is going to be fruitless? Yep. <laughs> That's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that you're going to tell this people, hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. I can't think of a harder task. As it is written, Romans 11, as it is written, they knew what the prophet Isaiah said. But here's what's beautiful. Look at verse 11. Then said I, Lord, how long? It's not going to be forever. 
they're not going to not see and not hear forever. How long? In Matthew 13, we taught through all of those parables. And Jesus is teaching in parables. He says, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. How long? It's not going to last forever. But right now, go back to Romans 11. We're going to close here. Right now. Right now in Romans 11. Look at verse 5. Even so then at this present time. How long? Well, right now at this present time. They're going to see, not see, hear, not hear, and not understand. Look at verse 8. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear. And here, here's the phrase, unto this day. So at this present time, unto this day, that's how long. It's not forever, but right now, that's where they are at. Now, we'll say this to you. Last month, I always like it when these things happen. But last month, I'm going through my suits and my suit jacket. One of them was in the closet hanging up. I opened it up. I'm just kind of checking uh, the, the pockets. I think I was going to bring one to the dry cleaner. So uh, I, I checked the pockets before I do that. And lo and behold, out of one of my suit jacket pockets, I pulled four $1 bills. I said, well, I didn't know there was, man, I love when that happens. I got four $1 bills. That's great. You know, I put it in my pocket. And, but you, you, I'm telling you that because the $1 bills were all there all along. <laughs> and you know what Israel has? A promise from God. They don't see it. Just like I didn't see the four $1 bills in my coat jacket. It was there all along. There should be no surprise just because I didn't remember it was there and I didn't know it was there. It was there. And you know what? It doesn't matter if Israel sees it or not. It doesn't matter what they say or what they do. It's, by, it's God's election by grace and based on His covenant. He has promised that people a covenant and land and all of that and it doesn't matter if they know it or not. It's based on God's elective grace.